Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tactical Yanks podcast, your podcast for soccer in America and around the world. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and I am joined by my fellow co-host, Filippo Silva, and welcome to the Tactical Yanks podcast. Hopefully you enjoy. We'll be talking about U.S. soccer, European soccer, South American soccer, the World Cup, and much more. All right, guys, welcome to episode 26 of the Tactical Yanks podcast. I'm your co-host, Pete Douthit, and with me is my co-host, Filippo Silva. How you doing, man? Doing great. As I was thinking here and talking to you before the podcast is we're a little hungover from this camp, but we're ready to get hammered once again in the World Cup, but hammered in a good way, right? I'm not saying hammered of beat up, hammered of we'll party together. There's a lot, a lot of reasons to be excited for the World Cup, regardless of what Greg Berhalter has been doing. And overall, I believe this is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, reasons to be optimistic um, is the theme of this podcast, because although things do look a little bleak at the moment and we're just as angry and frustrated and, and despairing as you are, there are good reasons to be optimistic. And we'll talk about some of them. We're also going to talk about what we need to do against each individual opponent at the World Cup in order to have success. Remember, guys, the World Cup is a crazy tournament. It's very short. If you hit form in the right time, if you get a little bit of luck, you really only need four points to get out of your group. That's one win and one draw if other results go your way. If you have five, you're 100% through. There's even scenarios, although extremely unlikely, where you can get through with three points. But that's very unlikely to happen. So, Can we add one thing too? Costa Rica in 2014, when they not World Cup qualifying, but... They had friendlies on the year of the World Cup in 2014, and they were struggling against average teams like like we talked about, or good teams like Japan, Ireland. They weren't beating them. They, I think in six games they had, they only won one, and that was Paraguay, which was not a good team at the time. But Costa Rica got out of that crazy group with Italy, England, and Uruguay. And then they beat on PKs Greece, and they made it to the quarterfinals. Now, this is not me and Pete saying that the U.S. men's national team is going to make it to the quarterfinals. We're just saying that I, I think it's what we repeated in the stream several times. We got to stop eliminating our team before we're actually eliminated. We could make it to a court. Things can happen, right? It's a tournament yeah. that a little bit of luck can play a big role, a little bit of form, or sometimes the team and the coach just figuring it out on the spot because not many. Also, this is a different World Cup. It's in the middle of the season. The preparation time will be extremely small. So it can be a lot different from anything we've seen in the past. So, and, and for us, that we're in a bad situation right now, that can work. Well, I mean, it can't get any worse, so it can only help us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, before we get into it, Tack, I want to talk about some things. We've talked a lot about Greg Berhalter, right, and the problems with him and with this team. Let's talk about some things that are out of Greg Berhalter's control in this camp that could change between now and Qatar, right? The two mm-hmm. things that come to mind specifically are the injuries, the, the injured players, right? A-Rob, uh, Musa, Wea, Richards, specifically those four, they will make us a better team. 
right? They will. I mean, even if it's within Burhalter's robotic system, they will still make us better at doing that. So that's hopefully a reason to be optimistic. The other thing, and this is not under Berhalter's control, is that some of our key players also came into this camp either not playing very much for their teams or out of form, right? Mm -hmm. Specifically, let's talk about McKenny, Pulisic, and Dest. McKenny's been playing, but he hasn't been playing well for Juve. Pulisic and Dest are not finding minutes with their clubs. In Dest's case, he just went to a new club. He hasn't started well, but he's really only played one or two games. Um, if they start to get more minutes between now and the World Cup and they start to find form, that dramatically increases our chances of success, right? An informed, confident Pulisic, an informed, confident Dest. To be honest, Dest wasn't that bad against Saudi Arabia. He was one of the performers. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't great, but he had a lot of good build-out moments. He had one moment in the second half. I watched it on the replay where he literally beat two players, drove into midfield, and then found Joe Scally with a through ball who put a cross, you know, into the box. So if Dest, Pulisic, and McKinney can all find form before the World Cup, and if we get key guys like Wea, Musa, and Jedi back from injury, that dramatically increases our chances of success. And that is certainly one reason to be optimistic. Now, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. We might have other guys injured, right? We might also, you know, Pulisic might still not get minutes at Chelsea. That's very fair to say, too. But those, if those things happen, that increases our chances of success, even within the Burhalter system. They also don't need all to happen, right? If we're in the same situation right uh, that we were right now, and out of those three players you mentioned, Weston, Pulisic, and Dest, only two of them catch good form. And out of those four players that you mentioned injured, two of them return. That's already a massive improvement for this team. Yeah. Right? In a perfect scenario, everything happens exactly as you said. All three catch decent form and all four come back from injury. If that happens, it'll be wonderful. Um, but again, let's not count on that because we haven't really had a full healthy roster. And I think most national teams are always missing one or two key players here and there for the World Cup. That that always happens. Um, yeah. So Giorena's health is another one to be concerned about, obviously. But for sure, if it was just precautionary and he returns to playing with Dortmund with no problems, that could be a boon as well. But tack, these are the reasons to be optimistic. In, in an ideal world, Jordan Pifok and John Brooks get called up, <laughs> but that's not going to happen. Well, Brooks, no. Pifok, I wouldn't say 100% out, but like maybe 80, 70% out. I think it's 99%. He, Greg Berhalter said right after the game, that this is it. This is the team, and we're going to go to the World well, Cup. Well, what if Jesus, Pepe, or Sargent, any of them have an injury? Fox should be the next one in line, I believe. Sure, yeah. If one so, of them is injured, and obviously you don't want anybody to get injured. No, but... no, but I'm saying it's three players, and there's a positive. So I think Fox has a chance. Brooks, you probably need like our entire center back pole to get injured, and then and, and then before he plays him, Greg might even ask um, Boca Negra or someone if they're available <laughs> to play. So Brooks We're is calling Josh Cameron from Cincinnati. He might even call me or you. It's like, hey, any of you two play center back? We don't want to call Brooks. <laughs> so can they have his PowerPoints guys? memorized? Yeah, it's like you guys, you guys got an American passport. You want to play here? Because I'm not bringing John. So because we know what John can do. That's what he's going to say. We know what John yeah, can we do. We know what he can do. So John Brooks is zero. Uh, I wouldn't say PFOC is zero. It's just low. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, what we want to do then is get into our group at the World Cup. And like I said, you don't need to go win all your games. You really only need to win one game to get out of your group, so long as you can get another result somewhere. And let's start with Wales. That's our opening game. And to be honest, the most important game in this group. 
because they are very close challengers to try to get out of this group. And whoever wins that first game has a, I would say, 70% chance of getting out of the group. If you get three points, if we get three points against Wales, then we really only need to draw one more game to get out of the group. And that's very doable facing Iran and England. You can get one draw in one of those games very easily. So I think it's a very good opportunity to start with Wales. But let's talk about how Wales are going to play against us. I've seen a lot of Wales. Have you? Seen a few here and there. So I've they are going to know how they play. Yeah, they're going to bunker against mm -hmm. us for sure. They're going to make our lives very, very difficult. Um, and the good news for us is that they don't have a lot of attacking talent. They just don't. Gareth Bale is not the guy he used to be. They're now going to play him as sort of a withdrawn forward. He's not going to track back on the ball. He's not going to really play as a winger, to be honest, for Wales, I don't think. Brennan Johnson. He won't press. Or press or do any of those things, which is good news for us. But Brennan Johnson could be a threat down that right-hand side, and that's somebody we're going to have to keep track of. And then they got but, the, the Welsh Paul Riola, Dan James. Dan James, yeah. You know, again, a decent pro, but not a talented player by any means. Not somebody we should struggle with. Like, if you told me Serginho Dest has to mark Dan James, I'd be fine with that. So they will be a threat on the counterattack, but once again, we're going to have to break down a low block. And like I said earlier, having a uh, you know, healthy, informed, fit Weston McKenney and Christian Pulisic and Serginho Dest definitely helps with that. But I think we need to play with a 10 in this game. And if that's a health, if, if he's healthy, that's Gio Reyna. If he's not healthy, there's Brendan Aronson. There's Christian Pulisic who can play as a 10. There's even Jesus Ferreira who can play as a 10. Luca De La Torre can play as a 10 in this game. Uh, they, we have options there. The question is, is Greg going to do it? Do you have any concerns in terms of like Nico Williams? Because they're going to try to go in transition, right? And we push our fullbacks high up the field and we play a high line. He might, he, I think he played once for Wales on the left, but we've seen him play for nothing in Forest on the right. He can play on both sides. Can that be a problem too? I mean, it, it can be a problem. If Tim Way is starting on the right, he's going to have to track Nico Williams. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't let our fullbacks get too high in this game, to be honest. But if they do, then Tyler Adams is going to have to shift out wide in transition. So let's say we lose the ball and their fullbacks. Nico Williams generally plays on the left for Wales. Mm -hmm. um, so he'll have to shift out wide to cover for Wea. You know, if Wea, if Serginho Dest is bombing up, that means Tim Wea is probably tucking inside. So then Tyler Adams is going to have to shift out and protect, even just commit the foul to stop them from getting chances in transition. Do you think Greg might play Reggie Cannon for that reason? That's why I brought that up. He'll play Reggie Cannon as a center back on the right side of the field, a right center back, Dest playing on the left. I could see I that. I don't happen. think he will. Maybe. I, I would be very surprised. With Dest and A-Rob fit, he generally has played the two of them together. So Hopefully he does. And, and again, this is the type of game where Wales is going to sit back. They're almost okay with a 0-0 draw in every game, probably. They're going to sit yeah. back. And it's all about if we can break, break a low block. Oh, my goodness. What's going on here? Break a low block. And, again, you pretty much said that. If you want to break a low block, you need to have some creativity through the middle. And you need to have attacks down the flank. If you're going to have attacks down the flank, the flank, you need a center forward that can put the ball in the back of the net through headers or a poacher. So... Jesus should not be starting against Wales in no way, no. shape, or form. Ideally, you would put Jordan Pifak 
because you just you're probably going to shove in crosses. That's probably going to happen quite a bit, and it's perfectly normal to send in a lot of crosses against the low block. And Pfock's probably your best man there. Now, since Pfock won't be there, Pepe or Sargent are a better option than Jesus for this specific game. What is Greg going to do? I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, um, we can go through that. But I, I would the way I would probably want to go is a four-two-three-one with Pfock hopefully there as a, as a nine and then the 10 being Reina, if he's healthy or even Brendan Aronson. Well, the other advantage of playing a Sergeant or a Pepe up top is it allows you to play with a target man and bypass midfield, right? What we saw from Japan and Saudi Arabia is clogging up the midfield lanes. They weren't even pressing our center backs. They were just saying, you can't play into midfield. We're going to overload your, whatever numbers you put in midfield, we're overloading you. We're going to close down passing lanes. We're going to clog it up and make it very difficult for you to play into midfield, especially because you have Tyler Adams who can't play as a Regista, right? So in those cases, you bypass midfield. You go over the top, you hit a target man, and then you have your McKennies, your Musas, your Pulisics pushing up to try to win that second ball and then go from there. So that's the other advantage of playing a Sergeant or a Pepe at top. Which is how Union Berlin uses PFOC. I know. We so watched their game. They literally go long for him, for him and um, Becker up top. Yeah. So Becker. They always go long. For, they go direct. They don't, yes. they rarely use their midfield. Um, so it could be, so it looks like PFOC could be very useful there. And again, this is not really a PFOC propaganda podcast. Uh, I have even questioned, I, I don't even think he's a locked in star for us. I just think he's a roster piece that would be much more useful than other players, especially if you're going to maybe bring Morris. But this is a different discussion. So do we agree that probably it's the best one to play as a 10? A poacher, for sure, not a false nine. A poacher in the box at all times. A target man, most likely. And then probably, what, way on the right and then Pulisic on the left? Yeah. And then Adams. And if we go with an MMA midfield, I would be very worried about creativity Mm -hmm. um, because you have both McKinney and Musa. I would honestly, there's a case for Jesus Ferreira to start in that midfield if Gio Reyna is injured. Although I'd probably go Brendan Aronson first Mm -hmm. because also he can press. And he's a pressing 10 and he's, he's not a, a pure creator, but give him a little bit of space and he can pick passes, right? We've seen him do that for leads. So to be honest, in that game, I would consider dropping Musa or McKinney, depending on who's in form and who's out of form and playing Aronson or even De La Torre there. If Gio Reyna is not healthy, if Gio Reyna is healthy, it's a hundred percent Gio Reyna. I agree sure. with the form, but I would probably go with Musa and bench McKinney for that game specifically, because we would need someone to help Adams on the buildup build out and probably boost is the best option for that regardless of form but again looking into form would matter there for that game specifically and McKinney coming off the bench could be an interesting one for needing a late goal still it's zero zero set pieces you're chugging in crosses I honestly would probably just throw Weston McKinney remember I think for Schalke he played that way they was almost like a striker like a second striker at times just throw him there throw in crosses you have a center for because you never know what's going to happen in these games um, and McKenney's probably more useful that way. So probably how I'd want to go to face Wales, but I do have a lot of question marks of how Greg Berhalter will set us up to break a low block. That's something. I'm the other thing with. I think is worth mentioning is a draw against Wales doesn't really help us. No. <laughs> I mean, it's better than a loss, but the truth is if you draw against Wales, you still have to beat either England or Iran. And both of those are very difficult for different reasons, Right. Let's assume we draw against Wales and let's assume that England beats Iran in their opening game. So now England has three points. Iran has one. 
we have won. Uh, no, Iran has zero. We have won. Wales has won. In that second game, let's say we lose to England, and let's be optimistic and say Wales and Iran draw. So now Wales has two points. Iran has won. England has three. We have won. We have to beat Iran in that last game and also hope that England beats Wales. No, no, we would go through with any of them, right? Oh, no, no you're right. Wales would you're have right. two points because right. Wales would have two points. So we would have to beat – We not only do we have to beat Iran, but then we also have to hope that England beats Wales. And if England has six points at that time, they may already be qualified. They so might they may play player. their bench. Yeah. Huh? They may rest player, and that would be a scenario where we would get knocked out with four points. Yeah, then you would get knocked out with four points. So it's not, you know, five points is guaranteed. Four points is a maybe. Now let's say we draw with Wales and then draw with Iran, or with England, I'm sorry. Now we've got two points, but we would still have to go beat Iran. It's just the only difference is it's in our hands. If we beat them, then we're fine, mm -hmm. right? So this, this is why I don't think a draw against Wales is, is ideal. In fact, it's almost as bad as a loss. Well, a loss were eliminated, in my opinion. If we lose to Wales, we're 90% out of the group, unless we magically beat England. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we, the only way we could magically go through is if we... Because here's the thing. If we, if we lose to Wales, then the England game is a game that we can't come out with no points. To a yeah. bare minimum, we have to draw England, an obligation, right? Yeah. And if we draw England, we have to beat Iran. So if we lose to Wales... The same way you said, if we beat Wales, we're like 70% out. Uh, sorry, 70% yeah. there to the next round. If we lose to Wales, we're probably 80 to 90% out at that yeah. point. So yeah. it's amazing how the World Cup is. And we were talking about how it's a short tournament. There it is, guys. The very first game can be a make it or break it moment already. Yeah. Uh, All right. Do you have a word from our sponsor, Tech? I do from two sponsors, right? We have two sponsors here in the channel. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now, if you are a new customer, you can bet $5 in any NFL team to win $200 in free bets if they do. So download now DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the promo code TBPN. That is TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's the code TBPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. So thank you, DraftKings. And then we also have a second sponsor, which everyone might be familiar with by now, and that is Raycon Wireless Earbuds. Raycon Everyday Earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. They also give you eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. That is a lot more reviews than we have in this podcast, Pete. So right now, go to, Raycon, go to buyraycon.com. That is buyraycon.com and use the code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That is TBPN15 at buyraycon.com. Thank you very much, DraftKings, and thank you very much, Raycon. Awesome. So let's get into the next game. How are England going to play against us? And I think we're both very, very familiar with England. The good news for us is that Gareth Southgate, despite Harry Maguire's 
endless poor performances for England came out after that Germany game in which Maguire was responsible for two goals in that game came out and said, I am going to play Harry Maguire because I think he gives us the best chance of winning the world cup. It sounds like Gareth Southgate and Greg Berhalter together are very deluded about the quality of a certain center back. And that is good news for us because why is Harry Maguire bad? Let's just talk about that for a second. He's bad because (laughs) yeah, you start first. (laughs) Okay. As a long Long term, like I've been a Manchester United fan forever. So, first, he's very bad on the ball. I think that's one thing to say. He's very bad on the ball, right? We criticize our center backs for it. He's not good either. Okay. He's also very error prone, very error prone. Second thing to do is if you watch, you did, you did a watch long for the Germany game, right? He doesn't only give them the PK, make mistakes on goals. Because of him, Germany was able to create many different goal-scoring opportunities. He steps in when you're not supposed to. He's sort of slow on the turn as well. That's another issue of Harry Maguire. The only thing Harry Maguire is good at, and that kind of reminds me also of Aaron Long. I'm not comparing the level of both. He's good in the air. He's a big player. He's good in the air. He'll score some headers here and there. He'll win aerial duels. But outside of that, he's frail or bad at almost every single other skill set that you need as a center back. And to make all of that worse, I do think his confidence is, is pretty low right now, which makes him yeah. even worse because he wasn't that bad when he was a Leicester player. No, I don't know if he could, if it, he couldn't handle the pressure at Man United or if he just got lazy and didn't work on his weaknesses, but whatever happened, he's going to be starting at the world cup and specifically what you mentioned where he's going to come off that back line and leave space. And it's not just that he comes off that back line. He comes off that back line to challenge for the ball, but he's not a great tackler. So he'll often lose those challenges. Like even a Brendan Aronson could turn Harry Maguire, honestly. And then not only has he not won the ball, but he's left this yawning gap of space. And he can't recover. He's slow. Yeah, and he can't recover. So now someone like Tim Weah can get in behind and that can give us opportunities. But let's talk more about England as a whole. They play a back three with two defensive midfielders. He has not changed this. He's still playing this way. Two wingbacks and then three up top. So it's essentially a 3-4-3. And it relies very heavily on the the wide players to create. And it relies very heavily on Harry Kane to drop deep into midfield and play as a playmaker. Now, they have very good wide players. Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Raheem Sterling, Jaden Sancho, Marcus Rashford. We don't know who all is going to be there but they definitely have enough good wide players to punish us. And that's where the fullbacks are going to have to be really, really tight. And not just the fullbacks, but the wingers. So this is what, how I think we should play against England. Don't let Anthony Robinson and Sergio Dest bomb up the field at the same time. That's rule number one, right? If Anthony is going up, Dest has to stay home. Because if, let's say, Anthony goes up and we lose the ball, Whichever side they attack, we can slide over. If they attack our right-hand side, we still have Serginho Dest there. Okay. If they attack the left, then we can slide over and still have sort of a back three with Tyler Adams until Anthony Robinson can recover. But if they're both up at the same time, the other thing is Aaron Long can't start. <laughs> it's just well, because that, in transition, that's almost common up. sense, right? <laughs> you would think. You would think. But again, probably we're saying Aaron Long shouldn't start. There's probably a bunch of English podcasts saying first Harry Maguire shouldn't start. They're saying the same thing, but just in the other. So we're both. It's like playing with ten men. 
Yeah, I do want to add one thing to what you were saying there. One thing we can't do in any way, shape, or form is our center backs cannot track Harry Kane when he when he goes deep, right? Right. So Harry Kane, he plays as this like false nine poacher center forward, deep lying forward, whatever the heck he is, and he drops to the midfield very often, and he almost plays as a ten sometimes for England when he yeah. drops. Our center backs can't track him there. He goes no. there, let him go. One of the eights or Tyler has to take care of that. They have to hand him off to Tyler. Yeah. Because you uh, have to track him. You you can't give him space to play make because he can turn and play make very nicely. So Tyler will have to track him. And then I think Declan Rice, at least, or Declan, whatever, however way, Rice, however way it's pronounced his name. I don't think he's offers any danger on the ball, but you do not want to give Jude Bellingham much time and space when he gets the ball right there. That's no. how they connect with the forwards. It's Jude Bellingham, right? If he doesn't play Jude and he plays Calvin Phillips, which he did in the Euros, but I don't think that'll happen. Jude looks to be like the new starter. They're probably their best midfielder, to be yeah. quite honest. You can't let him have much time. You gag and press Jude Bellingham when you lose the ball. Gag and press or hack him. Foul him. That's something I've been calling for the United States to start doing. You lose the ball in the final third, just foul the guy right there. Kill off the play. Slow down the game because... Sure, don't come into the England game just going for the draw, but depending on what we get against, if we beat Wales, a draw with England is a good result. It yeah. almost puts us, it might even put us in the next round, right? Yeah. yeah. So a couple of things to say, don't track Harry Kane when he goes towards the midfield, when he becomes a 10, sometimes he comes off of his position, sometimes not. I think it's actually very often, more often than we think. Don't bomb our fullbacks up high up the field like we normally do. Don't bomb them up. And really gag and press or hack Jude Bellingham anytime we lose the ball in the final third when they try to connect with him. If we do those things, England's going to really struggle throughout yeah. the game. The ball won't reach the forwards. Because especially Jude and Harry Kane, those two, the ball won't really reach the, the dangerous wingers that they have that we don't know. It could be Rashford, could be Foden, could be Grealish, could be Sancho. They have many different options there that, that he could play. I think mainly that also don't play a high line. Yeah, cannot play a high line. Honestly, we should bunker against England. And I know I, I hope Greg is, is willing to do that. The other thing to be worried about is wide overloads. Because remember, England also they play with wide wingers, but also wing backs. So you're talking about on one side, Reese James going to overlap with say Saka. And then on the other side, you're talking about one of Ben Chilwell or whoever he plays Wait, there. You're playing tried. Saka as a wing back again? No, no. Saka is a winger. So let's say Saka is a winger, and then Reese James is the wing back on the right-hand side. And on the left-hand side, it will be Raheem Sterling plus Ben Chilwell or Luke Shaw or Kieran Trippier or Kyle Walker. He's tried many people there. Also, you talked about Luke Shaw. If he's the starter against the United States, which could be him, Southgate definitely loves him, especially after he scored in the, the, Euro, the Euro final. Uh, could also be Ben Chilwell. At one point, right? Yeah. He should be back with Chelsea. Or he's back already. I'm not sure about that part. Luke Shaw is very slow. And he's yeah. usually not very fit. So, Weah should have his way with Luke Shaw. Getting fouled. Weah and Des, both. And Des. Should get Luke up there. Shaw, that, and, and also, Maguire plays on the left-hand side of that back three. So, that's a very weak left-hand side. Yes. And, and Luke Shaw, I, I, I watched him forever. Even when he was at Southampton, he's always been this player. He's actually very good on the ball. He's a very technical player. He's dangerous on long shots, crosses, but defensively, he is a problem because he's never fit. He's usually injury prone and he's kind of heavy and slow. 
um, Luke Shaw. So we should exploit that side where Harry Maguire is because they played the back three and Harry Maguire is the left center back and Luke Shaw. Definitely something to look out for, at least in terms of where we're going to attack this match. Can you hear the hurricane? No, I can't hear it. No? Yeah, we're recording this, guys, by the way, when the hurricane is hitting here Orlando already. So by the time you guys are listening to this, if you don't hear from me, well, you already know. Yeah. So there are a lot of things to be aware, wary of with England, but this is a it's very realistic to get a draw against England if we play the right way, if we play cautious, if we play defensive, and then last but not least, transitions. When England loses the ball, they're so, so poor in transition, and we should hit them very quickly. And we have players to play in transition, right? Weya, uh, Pulisic, McKenney, whoever plays up top. Hopefully it's Sargent. Should we talk about up top? Who would you start against England? If we know that Pepe, Ferreira, and Sargent are going, which as of right now, it looks very likely, who would you start against England Realistic, then, that, right? That's what you want, realistic? I would probably start Sargent. I think if we're going to play in transition, he's the one that has a bit more strength and even explosiveness and power when compared to Pepe and Jesus. I'd probably go with Sargent. Because especially if you're playing in transition, maybe you can't pass your way out of transition. Mm -hmm. But when you win the ball you can quickly get it forward to Sargent and Sargent can then hold it up while Pulisic, McKenney, Weah, Musa surround him with passing options. There's two ways to play in transition. It's to release a quick winger, right? Try to get the ball to a winger wide who's got good speed and dribbling ability, or you get it to your forward who holds it up while you get up in support of him. Yeah, I would at one point, if we're going to sit very deep, in the low block, I would even consider Way as a center forward and Brendan dropping on that right flank. And Brendan can press Maguire, Luke Shaw, and Way in transition can be very dangerous too because he has pace and verticality. There you go, Greg's favorite word. But I don't think that's realistic because there's no way Greg so would, would put Way as a center forward. He never has. So uh, ideally, I would probably go with Josh Sargent. I think it would be the most useful one for that specific game. Yeah. Just to and make one thing clear for you, I don't think Jesus is the right center forward for any of the games to start. Same. Same. We don't think he's a center forward, period. But yeah. these are the reasons why. We're not just saying he's not good. We're, we're talking about why we need a specific skill set, right? Now, talking about what we need against England, a draw is a good result. This England team, talent-wise, is much better than us. So a draw, whatever happened against Wales – a draw is still a good result. If we lose against Wales but manage a draw against England, it's still a good result. The only problem is it doesn't help us much because we still have to go beat Iran and hope that other results go our way. And those things are tough. Yeah, if we beat Wales and we tie England, I would say we're probably 95% of the way. Well, it would depend. It depends what happened in that Iran-England game. Yeah, because if we if we beat Wales and tie England, we could come into the, the Iran game with Iran still alive and they would need to beat us. So we would, and England would probably beat Wales if they needed to in the last game. So we would essentially play Iran for the draw. So that is not 90% of the way there. They're high odds. I would expect us to be able to hold the draw if that's all we need against Iran. But if we don't get the game plan right in the tactics and the right player selection, we could very well lose to Iran, which... Do you want to just use that to transition to our last opponent, Iran? We could, but I wanted to ask you first, what is the ideal result in the England-Iran game? While we play Wales, 
what is the ideal result? Do we England want win. England to win? England win. Or do we want them to draw? England win. England win. Why? Well, because it kind of like screws over Iran. If England beats Iran and we beat Wales, we open up a three-point gap against Iran, right? right? And then it really just depends on the result. Because I believe England will beat Wales in the last game. I'm not sure Iran will beat Wales. Mm. That's more of what I'm betting on. I'm betting on England being able to beat Wales. Um, yeah. I'm also betting on if I'm also betting on England. If England gets the because look, if England beats um, Iran and they tie us, they're still not qualified in the last game. No, not 100%. so they would have to beat Wales. They would have to go in to beat Wales, and I believe they should be able to do that. Worst case scenario, Wales can maybe hold a draw against England, right? And then we could even possibly top the group if we beat Iran. And again, if we want to make it to the quarterfinals, we're talking about here, it's not just about qualifying. Qualifying first can be what gets us even to a crazy quarterfinals run, right? Yeah. Because look, um, Group A, and this is a little bit off topic, the top two teams are Netherlands and Senegal. That doesn't mean both of them are going to go through. But right. I would imagine one of them would get first. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. And these two teams, them knocking us out in the round of 16 is the more likely scenario, the more probable yeah. one. But if we play Qatar or Ecuador, Ecuador is a tough opponent, but we can beat them, right? They look more like a team than us right now, and they have a few players that I, I, would, I can mention that are better than probably any player we have right now. Um, like Moises Caicedo has been just Caicedo, yeah. yeah, he's better than all, I think, and he's going to be in a big team very soon. Estupinan is also a very different player than anything we have. Uh, Incapier, their center back, is better than any center back we have right now. The Bayer Leverkusen center back, good on the ball, good defending. But we can beat Ecuador if we get – if it's a good day and the tactics are right, we could, even though Gustavo Alfaro has been a very good coach for them. Qatar, even though they're the host, we should beat Qatar, even though they're the host. So getting first place could be the scenario where we make that push for the, the quarterfinals. And correct me if I'm wrong, that year that Costa Rica made it to the quarterfinals, they did top that crazy group there in the group of death. Yeah, They topped it, and then they played Greece, which was a totally beatable opponent. They tied Greece and beat on PKs. So, again... It's not just about getting through the group stage. I do think we need to try to aim because it is possible to finish first without beating England. It's possible. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. Let's jump into that Iran game now. Um, I think that Iran is going to play against us differently. And this is, look, we have very little data on Carlos Quiros. It's almost like you have to throw out everything you saw from Iran before because now Quiros is here. But what we've seen from Quiros in the past with Iran is he does, he's not a stubborn coach. If they need to get a result, they won't have a problem coming after us, right? Um, especially if they need to win. If they need a draw, they'll bunker against us. That's just the truth. Yeah, Iran is actually very different for us to predict on how we should play because I think it depends more on what situation we arrive in that specific game, right? We talked about Wales. Wales, we need to go for the win. We have yeah. to go for the win. England, a draw, regardless of the Wales result, a draw is a good result. So go yeah. for the go for the draw win, right? Not lose. Iran, ideally, you want to go and try to beat Iran, but you should also have a game plan depending on what you need. Sometimes you don't need to expose your team as much. You can be a little bit more cautious, right? If you need a draw, 
but we do need to mention this though. Um, Carlos Queiroz just took over Iran and they played two friendlies, right, in September. They beat Uruguay 1-0. I looked at the Uruguayan lineup. For the most part, they're starters. I guess Ascaeta is on the bench, but Ascaeta is also sort of injured, the same injury Roldan has. So he's not 100%, so maybe he will be benched. And they tied Senegal 1-1. They also tied Senegal 1-1, and Sadio Mane was playing, uh, Marco uh, Gay was playing, Kolubali. Um, most players were there. Dia was up top, Diata on the right back. So they played a very strong team, and they tied Senegal, and they beat Uruguay. So this Iran team is no pushover, and if we need a play for a draw to go through against them, I, I just like you said before, Hopefully Greg's not stubborn stubborn about it and has no shame. If we need to play a low block, play a low block. Do what you yeah. need to do to get the results. Don't be stubborn and be flexible. I don't know what to tell you in regards to how we should play against Iran. It really depends on the situation we arrive in the third game. Yeah, and it depends how they end up playing against us, what what they're going to do. But obviously a huge part of that is finding ways to nullify Sardar Azmoun and Meditotomy. Those are the two danger men for Iran. And honestly, if you can keep them quiet, then you have a, very, a much easier time with Iran. But you have to have a game plan. Either it's designed around cutting off service to those two guys, which is one way to do it, or making them drop back so deep to get the ball that they're not getting the ball in dangerous areas. And there are several ways you can do that. But go ahead. Taremi, Taremi is one you might not want to get the ball to him. That might yeah. be the best way because he's known for being able to drop PKs very easily. He's known for yeah. that. And he's a clinical finisher too. So he'll either beat you and get a PK or he'll just going to score a goal. So in terms of Taremi, I would probably prefer just to cut whoever's supplying him service. Whoever's and the way to do that is with pressing and gegen pressing. Do not give yeah. them time on the ball in order to find him, right? Make sure you just cut off the service. If you can do that, you can keep him pretty quiet. And what ends up happening with Totemy is he'll, dr he'll drift very deep to then get on the ball. And you, that's okay. You don't want him getting it in dangerous areas. So if you can come up with a, ga a game plan to nullify Azmoun and Totemy, you have a great chance against Iran. Because the rest of their team, it's like Saudi Arabia level. That's just the truth. Yeah, you want them to get the ball in crappy situations if they end up getting it in the final third, like a long ball where it's hard for them to settle. You don't want them right. to be able to settle the ball and think about what they're going to do. As long as you can do that, it doesn't mean you're going to score against Iran because that's still going to be a struggle. But Iran won't score if you cut off Asmoon and Taremi. They just won't. Yeah. It just won't happen. So that's probably the game plan to go with. Obviously, when the World Cup comes up and results happen, we're going to do more accurate breakdowns of what should be done based on what we're seeing. We're also not need to see who's going to be available for us. For these teams, we're talking about Asmun and Taremi. They might not be there. We don't know. So there's a lot that can happen, but that's definitely the one game that we can't really break down right now, to be honest. No, no. Great. Well, that was good. I think there's reasons to be optimistic going into Qatar. And let's hope we have a lot of our key players healthy and fit that's going to be really important. Um, and let's just hope the team wakes up. You know, like I said earlier in the podcast, the one maybe positive that we can take is that this team won't be going into Qatar arrogant, right? They, they kind of got their asses handed to them. And I hope that increased in that. I hope that leads to an increased work rate and desperation and hunger to not get embarrassed in Qatar, which I hope it will. Yeah. I mean, they set the bar very low for us now, so it can only yeah. get better, guys. It can only get better from here. So it can't get much worse. 
be optimistic. I still think, I still believe we're going to get out of our group. I still do. Me too. Me too. Awesome, Tack. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to our sponsors for sponsoring this podcast. As always, guys, please go and like, or I'm sorry, rate. This is not a YouTube video. Yeah, guys, Give us a rating, give us a review, wherever you listen to your podcast. It helps other people to find it. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading and just being a part of this community. We appreciate it a lot. All right, we'll talk to you soon, guys. Have a good one.